Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Eleven years ago, a man named Kevin Bailey bought the Washington Park Cemetery. It sits in the north St. Louis County suburb of Berkeley. It's a black cemetery with a long history and some prominent residents. Bailey was its first black owner. But maintenance problems overwhelm the site, and Bailey has now given up. The city of Berkeley is stepping in to buy the cemetery from him. St. Louis County Director of Revenue Quentin Wilson explained what Berkeley hopes to achieve with purchasing the long-neglected cemetery. Berkeley's intention, and they've passed an ordinance to accomplish this, is to create this as a park, uh, working with the families and others to uh, enable folks to come in and... and uh, and visit the family sites that, that have been uh, just kind of shameful embarrassment for so long. It's been in private hands. It, 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 so the city of Berkeley is offering to come in and, and invest in the process of restoring it. But I think you have the family members and uh, volunteers from around the county that have been working to uh, maintain the site through landscaping or maintenance, a minimal amount of maintenance as much as they can do. But it really does take more of a community effort, and and I think that's what we're hoping Berkeley and others interested in this amazing site can accomplish. And that was St. Louis County Director of Revenue Quentin Wilson. The cost of Berkeley purchasing the Washington Park Cemetery, it's going to be just about $30 or so. That's the cost of some administrative fees for the sale. So joining us today to talk about what's going on with this cemetery and ultimately the state of black cemeteries across the region is Chris Nafsinger. He's an art historian, the author of the blog St. Louis Patina, and a regular contributor to St. Louis Magazine. Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. So tell me a bit about the Washington Park Cemetery. When did it open and, and who was it serving at that point? So it's actually celebrating its 100th anniversary. It actually opened in 1920 and it was basically created to serve African Americans because of segregation. Uh, most of the cemeteries in St. Louis County and St. Louis City actually were, were closed to African Americans. Uh, there were restrictive covenants. So uh, two men, Andrew Watson and uh, Joseph Hoyer, basically bought 75 acres out, which is uh, close to what is now uh, Lambert International Airport. But at the time, it was way out in the middle of the country. Hmm. Um, There was a little bit of uh, what was called Kinlock Field. Um, But for the most part, they had chosen a site and they purchased the the property without telling uh, the seller what they were going to do with it. And uh, it's the 100th anniversary of the founding of Washington Park. I also say it's the 100th anniversary of the persecution of Washington Park Cemetery. Almost from the beginning, white landowners around the property basically made up, trumped up claims of uh, African-Americans causing trouble. Um, They said there was frolicking going on. It was the words that newspaper articles use or hilarious celebrations, whatever that meant back in 1923. Um, There was always kind of this effort to always kind of cause trouble for Washington Park Cemetery. There was always this effort to make them feel unwanted. Maybe people just didn't want to have black neighbors, even if those neighbors were deceased. I mean, this was the level of of racism there? Exactly. And there was even this one preposterous claim that um, they shouldn't have cemeteries along major roads, which is ridiculous, of course, because as we know, there's actually probably close to a dozen major cemeteries that were originally founded for white St. Louisans along major roads, St. Charles Rock Road, for example, or along Gravoy. So it was just, they were just always just making up excuses for why they didn't want it out there. Um, but it was made, uh, it was opened, and uh, for 90,000 graves. And for $50, you could buy a three-grave lot. And uh, 
basically it became the premier place for African Americans to be buried. And despite all the racism and all the prejudice, um, it thrived. And it was a privately owned cemetery. And that would prove in the future to, to be some of the problems. The first major challenge then was in 1955, and that is when Interstate 70 cut right through the middle of the cemetery. And I was looking at old aerial maps, and I was looking at topographical maps. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why the highway engineers chose to go right through the middle of the cemetery. Hmm. It seems like it would have been easier to go through the, to the south along the Natural Bridge Corridor. It makes me really suspicious. I don't understand why, if you look at maps, why Interstate 70 kind of just all of a sudden goes to the north and goes right through the middle of the cemetery. You think they maybe wanted to disrupt this cemetery that the neighbors had had opposed? I feel like they probably chose to go through the African American cemetery Mm. as opposed to go south through what was probably white-owned property. And that meant um, a great displacement. I mean, they didn't just plow over these graves. These graves had to be moved. That was the first displacement. And most importantly, it left over a dozen acres north of the primary cemetery along Natural Bridge. It made those acres less desirable. Mm -hmm. It was basically closer to the airport now. They had a tunnel underneath the culvert or underneath the interstate, but it just wasn't very valuable real estate anymore. And then in 1972, there was another buyout. And that was when nine acres were purchased by the city of St. Louis because it owns the airport. And that was with uh, Mayor Cervantes. And there was even kind of a nice little bit of controversy. They purchased it for $350,000 over the asking price. And they only had one appraisal, which again, sounds familiar. And what ends up happening is that the FAA actually doesn't reimburse the city of St. Louis because they did there was there were shady dealings basically. Hmm. So that brings us up then to 1990, and that is the first time I find a newspaper article for families coming out and doing their own cleanup for the cemetery. Now it's 30 years later, and people volunteers are still coming out to help clean up the cemetery. And the owner is a woman named Virginia Younger. And to make a long story short, I looked at old court records, and she was in severe financial trouble. She was being sued one year after another. From the early 80s up until her suicide in 1991, she was being sued by creditors basically every year. Mm-hmm. And um, in her suicide note, she basically said that she was basically felt like she was being persecuted. But what we can see from old newspaper articles is that basically families were wondering where were their loved ones being buried. There's very strong evidence and pretty much solid proof that she was not burying people. She was possibly even selling off people's co- uh, coffins for scrap. Oh, my goodness. Um, there was a lot of very illegal activity going on up there. And so, of course, when she commits suicide, the property goes, you know, basically intestate. And when it comes out of it, a couple of men, uh, two lawyers, Ron Cooper and uh, Charles uh, Clardy, they buy it for $3,500. And it actually takes uh, around five years till 1995 for them to finally get through all of the legal issues to take uh, title to it. And by that time, it's down to 46 acres. So I think it's what's very important for people to realize, when the city bought that property north of the interstate, 
that took away a lot of valuable property that could have been income generating, you know, property. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's very important to realize is the debacle of what happened when Metrolink went through. It's actually one of the largest mass removal of graves in American history. Anywhere from 11,000 to 13,000 graves were removed. And it wasn't just simply for Metrolink. It was also for the FAA. They claimed that a hill in the cemetery was too high, about over 20 feet too high, so it, it interfered with planes landing at Lambert. There were all sorts of accusations um, that one of the archaeologists who helped uh, with the removal of the bodies kept some of the bones at his office, and it, took, it actually came to him actually hiring a lawyer, and uh, he actually was basically made to, he was disgraced uh, in the whole episode. Basically, those two lawyers, they tried their best. Um, the last thing I could really find out by about one of those lawyers uh, that Ron Cooper, is he was uh, in 2007, he was having very severe health problems. And that sort of kind of brings us up to the present day um, with Kevin Bailey. Uh, From what I understand, he bought the cemetery for $2. There's all sorts of uh, volunteers who've really been helping out with maintaining the property. Um, I actually just visited the cemetery this morning to kind of see um, the most up-to-date conditions. Um, I, I met two uh, City of Berkeley employees um, who told me they've been mowing the grass. I actually feel like it's looking pretty good overall. I actually was pretty impressed. About... And so even though this the sale isn't final, Berkeley is on site um, yeah. doing some maintenance. Yeah, and I actually was pretty impressed. Um, one thing that um, there's a lot more work to do, particularly the roads are in bad condition. Um, they're going to have to bring those up to safe conditions. Also, uh, Virginia Younger allowed a volunteer forest to grow out there, and that's going to take a lot of work to cut that forest down. It's what was originally people's graves. It was not a forest that was there originally. It's been allowed to grow up, and they're going to need to cut that down as well. Okay. So we're talking to Chris Nafsinger. He's an art historian, the author of the blog St. Louis Patina, and we're talking about the Washington Park Cemetery in Berkeley, which the city of Berkeley is in the process of closing on, um, which could lead to some really good changes for a property that, as Chris was just explaining, has a, a very tough history. And we're also joined by two other guests today who know all about the difficulties of maintaining a cemetery. They're both volunteers who've done some work with other black cemeteries in town. And one of them is Kathy Hart. She's a board member of the Friends of Father Dixon Cemetery. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And we're joined by Etta Daniels. She's a historian and archivist for the Greenwood Cemetery. Etta, welcome. Thank you. Kathy, I want to start with you. I know you have a number of family members who are at the Friends of Father Dixon Cemetery. When did you first visit that site? I went back to the cemetery for the first time in decades uh, in the mid to late 80s. My great-great-grandmother is buried there. My paternal great-grandparents are also buried there. And I just wanted to visit the gravesite. So that was in the mid to late 80s. And how did it look at that point? Pathetic. It was really neglected, overrun, um, used for trash and and des- some of the uh, grave sites were desecrated. So it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. And of course, my reaction was somebody ought to do something about this. And usually when you say that, you have to be careful what you pray for because that somebody ends up being you. And, <laughs> and that was the case. There was a um, 
a, a meeting of the Friends of Father Dixon's people who were getting together to address the needs of the cemetery because it had been rumored that there were plans to um, displace the those people interred there for commercial development. Somebody wanted that site. Right, right. And where is this uh, site? It's in Crestwood. It's along Sappington Road. So that's between... sort of a fast-growing area exactly, right there. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, it, of course, like Washington Park, it was in the country at one point, but uh, things had grown up around there, so it was very, very desirable property. And um, there was a reaction. Of course, people did not want that to happen. So that's how the Friends of Father Dixon's came into existence. Okay, and so you ended up being one of the leaders in yeah, that initiative. Yeah, when I found out about the meeting, I told my mom, and true to form, she got everybody in the family involved. And so when that meeting happened, we were all there. and. 32 years later, I'm still working with the organization. So you really took this on. Edda, I'm curious about you and your experience at Greenwood Cemetery. How did you first end up um, getting involved with that effort? About the same as Kathy. After uh, college, I moved away from St. Louis and lived in the Boston area for over 25 years. Upon coming home, I decided I'd visit my great-grandmother's grave and uh, couldn't even find it. It was so overgrown at Greenwood. So uh, I decided... The only thing to do was to get involved. I got my family involved, other people involved. We eventually created a board and um, went to work. And so your great-grandmother's grave, um, you say things were overgrown and and this was not something that was readily apparent. Were Mm -hmm. you able to find it? Oh, yes, yes, uh, definitely. And clear it, and that area has been totally cleared now. Now, Greenwood has an interesting uh, history compared to the other two because Greenwood is actually the very first commercial African-American cemetery in the St. Louis region. And how long does that go back then? It goes back to 1874. Wow. 1874. So between 1874 and 1993, Greenwood was an active burial ground, and over 50,000 African-Americans have been were interred there. Oh, my goodness. And so you were going way back. Uh, yes. And where is this located? This is in uh, the city of Hillsdale. It's just a little east of St. Peter's Cemetery. As a matter of fact, uh, Greenwood's origins really does come out of St. Peter's Cemetery. The original founder was a former sexton of St. Peter's Cemetery. Okay. And so, Chris, I know you, you've studied these issues a lot. Um, what Ed is saying here, this is the oldest commercial one in the area. Before that, um, were black residents just buried on private plots or what do we know about where they would have gone? Well, there was also an earlier cemetery. It was the Wesleyan Cemetery. Um, there also is a, a cemetery way out in Wildwood um, that was actually on the property of a plantation. Oh, um, wow. You can actually go out Wild Horse Creek Road, and there's a road called Old Slave Road, and there's actually a, a slave cemetery out there. So uh, basically, you know, they found places here and there. Wesleyan Cemetery actually um, was dug up as well. Um, and some of those bones uh, from the people who were interred there were actually dumped in a mass grave at Washington Park Cemetery. It's my understanding, too, that public cemeteries were segregated, but church cemeteries were were allowed, allowing a, 
(laughs) But church cemeteries were allowing integrated burials. Okay. So if you were in a church cemetery, that might have been a different story. Right. Interesting. Um, We're going to take a a quick break here. But before that, I want to invite our listeners to join into this conversation. Do you have a loved one at one of the area's black cemeteries? Uh, What have you encountered on your visits? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And we are talking of course, with Kathy Hart of the Friends of the Father Dixon Cemetery, Etta Daniels of the Greenwood Cemetery, and writer and historian Chris Nafsinger. Um, we'll take that quick break now, and we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking about the black cemeteries in the St. Louis area with Kathy Hart. She's a board member of the Friends of Father Dixon Cemetery. And we're also joined by Etta Daniels. She's a Greenwood Cemetery historian and archivist. And last but not least, we're joined by Chris Nafsinger. He's an art historian. He writes the blog St. Louis Patina. He's also a columnist for St. Louis Magazine. Um, I wanted to talk to all of our guests about sort of an important part of these cemeteries in our area. And that's that they aren't just home to loved ones and family. They also house the remains of some really notable people in St. Louis history. Um, Kathy, I'm wondering, what are some of the famous residents at Friends of Father Dixon? Or even if not famous, but people who had a big impact on history. Right. Uh, The notable burials that we have there, uh, I, I think maybe we should start with some of the veterans. We have veterans from the Civil War, from the Spanish American War. World Wars One and Two and the Korean conflict uh, probably would have others as well, but uh, the cemetery closed to open burials in the 70s. So, um, besides our veterans, we also have James Milton Turner, who was the first uh, African American ambassador appointed by President Grant, and he was the ambassador to Liberia. Wow! And uh, also. Uh, John Vachon, for whom Vachon High School is named. That He's name. an educator. Yeah. Right, very famous in St. Louis. And of course, um, Moses Dixon, Father Moses Dixon is buried there as well, and he's the namesake for the cemetery. Okay. And was he uh, an African-American priest? or He was, wow, he was a lot of things. He was an abolitionist, and he worked to um, to resettle blacks who were escaping the South after the Civil War. Oh, wow. And so he did a lot of philanthropic work and and civic uh, social justice work in the St. Louis area. He was also a minister in the AME Church and a founder of some of the Masonic uh, orders in this area as well. Etta, what about at Greenwood? Who are some of the prominent residents who are there? Once again, I want to point out that Greenwood is much older than the other two cemeteries that we're talking about. Therefore, the first few years of Greenwood's history were burials of former enslaved persons. We have a list of over 5,000 African Americans who were formerly enslaved and who are now buried at Greenwood. And when you say there's a list, they, they have kept um, records even going back that far. Yes, we have our records go back to January 10th, 1874. Wow. Now, you know, everyone knows the name Dred Scott. As it turns out, Dred's wife Harriet, both of his daughters, his son-in-law, and one of his grandchildren are also buried at Greenwood. But that's just the tip of the ice. We have the Civil War veterans like Washington Reed, who 
uh, came back and established some land, and we'll talk about that at another time. Uh, Jeremiah Ray, who was part of the uh, 62nd USCT, who helped to establish U Lincoln University. Even prior to Dredd and Harriet filing their suit, we have a lady named Lucy Ann Delaney, who uh, filed a freedom suit here in the St. Louis area in, and was freed in 1847. We have Charlton Huntandy, who went on to establish the Missouri Equal Rights League and who was responsible for a lot of the work that was done for the exodusters who came out of the southern states after uh, Reconstruction turned so badly. So Greenwood is almost a picture, a window into the early history of African Americans in the city of St. Louis even down to old, old burial plots. We can trace some of that history that goes back to newspapers like the Palladium, and you'll see some things in their, um, in their obituaries that say uh, this person was buried at Greenwood in their family plots. Mm. Because as Chris pointed out, there were very few places that African Americans could, could be buried, especially in 1874. So you removed people from having to be buried in city cemeteries and in pauper's fields. And no matter what their circumstances, they might end up in a pauper's field simply because they were African Americans. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, you know, we did start by talking about this Washington Park Cemetery that Berkeley's taking over. Are there also um, people prominent in history who are buried yeah. there? Yeah, I'm going to focus on three, but I, I think maybe I'll start by saying that basically probably pretty much every African-American family in the St. Louis region probably has at least one relative buried there. And I think that it's important to say that's why it's so important and why I think it's such a sensitive and emotional topic. And that's why we need to have Washington Park Cemetery fixed. Mm -hmm. um, just a, a handful of people, Dr. Miles Davis Sr., hmm. obviously the father of the famous musician. He actually originally was from Alton, but of course they eventually moved to East St. Louis. He's buried there. Um, also, uh, Oscar Minor Waring, uh, he was actually a graduate of Oberlin University, but he actually was the principal of Sumner High School. Um, we were just talking about Vashon High School. Sumner, of course, the famous African-American high school in the Ville neighborhood. Um, he was uh, principal in 1879. Um, also then finally, a very interesting figure, a gardener. His name was John, I believe his pronunciation, I apologize if I get it wrong, it's Few, or it's F-E-U-G-H. Um, he actually lived until 1939. He was a employee of Shaw, of Shaw's Gardens fa uh, fame. Mm -hmm. And he actually worked as a gardener from 1889 out in the country. So he actually was originally uh, an employee of the country house of Henry Shaw and then actually kept on working there after um, his employer passed away. So just an incredible story. And like I said, probably several thousand other prominent African-American St. Louisans as wow. well, whose names I'm sure many people out there listening know. Now, we're hearing from a number of our listeners. I'm going to go to the phone lines in just a minute. But first, from Twitter, uh, Basmeen says there's been a, quote, perpetual desecration of African-American Washington Park Cemetery in its 100-year history. She says, I have ancestors there, and some were removed. DDI Media currently has billboards in the cemetery on top of graves. This is racism beyond the grave. Um, Jeff in Kirkwood wanted to mention Quinette Cemetery, uh, which is in Kirkwood, yes. and that was established published in 1853, he says. Chris, does that sound right? You know, I'm not, I, I know Quinette Cemetery. Um, I don't know the exact date of its founding or off the top of my head, but yes, that's 
also a cemetery we should mention, and I don't know if maybe uh, Kathy and Etta know more about that one. Yeah, um, and I believe the founding date probably is more like 1864 or thereabouts. There are actually, there were actually uh, four African-American cemeteries established prior to Greenwood in 1874. All of them had an affiliation with either a church or a community. Oh, okay. And Quinette was indeed one of them. What and happened- Jeff and Kirkwood says, I don't know if, the, if this is true, but he does say that this is the oldest black cemetery west of the Mississippi. Does that seem possible that that's true of Quinette? Possibly. Possibly. Okay. I know it's hard to, mm-hmm. to verify some of these details, but that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. To speak to the the previous uh, tweet, you know, I think desecration, I think that's a perfectly valid word to use in regards to Washington Park Cemetery. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's perfectly valid word to use. And I that's, totally agree. Uh, uh, so let's go to the phone lines. Julie is calling from North County. Julie, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hello, Julie. Hi. Hi, thank you for joining us. Um, what were you interested in, in talking about? Oh, well, I actually got two things, but one is there's, um, there was a graveyard uh, connected with St. Mary's Church on Cypress Road right before it turned uh, and met Lindbergh, and there was like an obelisk in, in the, at the center of it that had all the names of the people buried there, and I heard it was a slave cemetery, although I saw some of the titles on the obelisk were professors and doctors. And things like that. So, hmm. I'm, I'm getting know. the sense um, none of our guests are familiar with that specific area, but that's that's certainly interesting. If so, it was concreted over when they expanded the airport, and okay. uh, yeah, and so you know when they west when expanded it westward, they took over that plot and okay. they made it a runway. Oh, okay, was so, this for the most recent runway that was constructed? Yes. yes uh, yeah, they started. Uh, I guess in the 90s. Okay. The the runway going west towards the yes. Missouri River. So that was maybe the historic center of, of of Bridgeton that goes back to actually colonial times. No, that's really interesting. I'm glad you you told us about that. I'm gonna have to look into that. And Julie, you said you just had one more thing you wanted yep. to mention. What was that? Oh yeah, uh, a spooky story. Um, my father and my brother a long time ago in the 60s, uh, they were out on Halloween, and my dad was showing my brother this cemetery and the bridge that goes under uh, you know that tunnel that goes under 70 mm-hmm. i see our guest and nodding the, yeah <laughs> and their car broke down <laughs> and it turned started turning dark <laughs> and it was so scary i, I assume everyone was okay the the souls did not yeah. rise up to pull them into the grave no no <laughs> okay well that's a that's a happy ending as far as i'm concerned julie thank you for that call <laughs> um so we're talking today to Kathy Hart. She's a board member of the Friends of Father Dixon Cemetery, Etta Daniels, who's a Greenwood Cemetery uh, historian and archivist, and Chris Nafsinger of the blog St. Louis Patina. Now, back in October, we talked with uh, Washington Park, Illinois resident Scott Rose, and Scott had done some property research in that area, which is <clears throat> across the river. In his research, he found information about an old African-American cemetery there in Illinois. It had been moved when Highway 64 was built, and more recently, IDOT had further plans for the area. Rose explained to one of our producers what happened after that. IDOT has uh, the bridge here at 111 and 54 slated to be uh, re- removed and rebuilt. It's like a $28 million project. And, and in that uh, project, they, they, the, the IDOT came down in the village here and 
held a meeting uh, asking if anybody had any questions or concerns about the product or project or what kind of impact it might have. And um, basically, I just said, "Hey, are you guys aware that there's an old cemetery here? Was you know there was a lot of old African Americans buried there, and it kind of bothered me that there's like no resemblance of a cemetery here at all, uh, no plaque, no memorial at all." And a couple weeks later. Uh, somebody in charge of the project from IDOT called me up and said, uh, oh, man, we're glad that you made us aware of this because at this time we weren't. And if we'd have gone through and, and done all the engineering and started building um, and then found one of the bodies, then we'd have to uh, stop and, and, and do a survey, archaeological dig, and see what's left there. So uh, the archaeologists from the state came out and started the dig. They did identify that there's... Uh, things there still. So, uh, old casket. Uh, they they find like an outline of a casket, mark it, and then cover it back up. Um, and then the next hole, they, if they find a bone, they just mark it, cover it back up, and and then move on. And that was Washington Park resident Scott Rose. He added that he hopes a marker or a plaque will be placed nearby to commemorate that site. Chris Nafziger, bigger picture, it sounds like IDOT wouldn't have known about this without Rose's research. Is it possible there are even more burial grounds and cemeteries for black residents around the metro area than we might realize? Oh, yeah, definitely. Beyond belief. I, I think, you know, I actually even know of one just to the east of Brooklyn, Illinois. I think, you know, Brooklyn is a a very interesting story as well, a town founded by African-Americans, they're all over the place. And um, I think that's really sort of the duty of historians to alert, um, you know, highway departments, builders, because they weren't well documented. Um, I think, you know, the powers that be at the time were not interested in African-American cemeteries. Uh, You know, the stories of, you know, cemeteries moving west. I mean, you know, there were cemeteries in downtown that were moved. I mean, you know, Calvary, Belfontin cemeteries, they have, you know, reinterments from, you know, the cathedral. The old cathedral had a cemetery right next to it, and obviously it doesn't anymore. That was moved too, yeah. And I I think that's, you know, one of the responsibilities of historians is not to just sit in their offices and read books, but also to be advocates for people who are passed away and, you know, be advocates for these people who are buried and can't speak up for themselves. And, you know, if they're driving by a place they know is a historic site, and to let people know, hey, watch out. And that actually leads me to the the last question I wanted to get to in our time today, and I want to direct this to both Kathy and Etta. Um, some people listening to this might wonder, why bother? You know, there are so many challenges in taking care of the living, and you guys have both put so many years into helping take care of the dead. Why is that something that's important to you? For Greenwood in particular, it's important because African-American history is so sketchy in the city of St. Louis, Greenwood offers a real opportunity to go back and say this is really what happened. Greenwood's history has been deemed so important that in 2004, we were actually added to the National Register of Historic Places. Wow. So uh, I would like to uh, talk about one cemetery, though, that has disappeared, and it's on the site of Roosevelt High School. Oh, really? There was a cemetery there? There was a cemetery there. A lot of the people were disinterred. However, according to students at Roosevelt, that there's mo- some of them were not, and the, the school has been and remains haunted for all of these years. So. Wow, that sounds like a great <laughs> um, st- uh, story for us to dig into on a different day. Um, Kathy Hart, any further thoughts on that question? My thought regarding black cemeteries is this, that during those days when it was segregated, that meant that all the black population had to be buried together. 
Mm-hmm. And the, the black cemeteries contain the history not only of notable African-Americans, but also of the ordinary African-Americans, also of those who may not have had such, who might have had a more shadowy past. Exactly. Um, but everyone was buried together and everyone has a history worth knowing. Mm-hmm. And so to that extent, we need to keep this message out there in front of people, recognizing that all of the, uh, all of the present day problems are important, but so is knowing our history. Not only that, it connects us to everyone's history. At Greenwood, one of the things that we are frequently able to do is connect slave owners to their formerly enslaved people, uh, which, you know, provides that link. Some of the headstones are simply incredible, and you wonder, well, where did that name come from? And when you start to research, lo and behold, that name may have come from a notable St. Louis person who was a slave owner in the past. So there's a wealth of history there. There is a wealth of, at all of the cemeteries, that's just simply a wealth of information just waiting to be captured and waiting to be talked about. Well, Etta Daniels, Greenwood Cemetery historian and archivist, thank you so much for coming. And Kathy Hart, board member of the Friends of Father Dixon Cemetery, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sarah. And art historian Chris Knapsinger, thank you so much for for sharing your knowledge. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.